Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. What's interesting now that I have hindsight is I back then had attached my confidence to my paycheck, to my title, to my team, everything that was happening outside of me. So it could be taken away from me. What's different for me now is I attach my confidence to what's happening inside of me, to who I am. So no one can ever take that away. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Live Boldly podcast with Sarah Shelton Kranz. This is an inspiring podcast for those seeking proven ways of healing, growing, and transcending their lives. I'm a legendary leader in healing, acclaimed author, keynote, and TEDx speaker, a mom, an adventurer, and a believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, every other week I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from hand-picked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Live Boldly Podcast with Sarah Shelton Kranz, where today I have on Heather Monahan. I have been following Heather's work over on LinkedIn for quite some time, also on other platforms. This is a very motivational, inspirational, uh, incredibly um, diverse and educational podcast episode. So go grab your journals, take it outside if you can. Remember, because that's the place that I love to take people. Heather Monahan is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, TEDx speaker, podcast host, and board member of HealthLinked Corporation. As a former C-suite executive in media, she was named one of the most influential women in radio in 2017. And Thrive Global named her a limit-breaking female founder in 2018. After an unexpected termination, Heather wrote and self-published her first book, Confidence Creator. In 2019, Heather launched her podcast, Creating Confidence, a top 10 show on Apple Podcasts, Entrepreneur Chart Weekly. Heather was named one of the top 40 female keynote speakers of 2020 and top 50 keynote speakers in the world in 2022 by Real Leaders. Her new book, Overcome Your Villains, Go Grab It, uh, published by HarperCollins Leadership, is available right now. So this podcast episode was, it was so good. I loved interviewing her. And so definitely grab your journals. Like I said, take notes. Please share this podcast episode in your social media platforms in your stories, in your uh, on your page, and tag me, tag Heather at Sarah Shelton Kranz, at Heather Monahan, and let's continue to spread the ripple of incredible education out into the world. Before I start this episode, I want to remind you that we have retreats coming up, everyone. I am doing an incredible retreat with Michelle Mace Curon. 
She is a former fighter pilot and a Thunderbird pilot. She and I actually grew up in small towns in Wisconsin. She speaks all on leadership, self-leadership. She is just a remarkable woman. So the two of us are going to be doing a retreat together in May. It's going to be all on self-leadership, resilience, adventure, nature, healing. Just, I mean, just going to be super deep dive into the ways that we can create a better uh, life, business, and world together. We will be canoeing down the Green River in Utah, so definitely go check that one out. I am also doing a retreat with uh, the remarkable, I'm just so excited about this, um, uh, Florence Williams. She wrote the book, The Nature Fix and Heartbreak. We did this retreat in the San Juan Mountains together last July. We are doing it again. It is so powerful. We will be using the power of awe to create the life that you uh, are really wanting to create, right? Like diving into that personal space and how is it that you want to use this power of awe, not only in your present world, but also in your future. We are also running a retreat myself. I'm going to be doing this retreat same as I did last year. This one is wow, like mind blowing as well. Aren't they all though? We are going to be kayaking next to glaciers in Harriman Ford up in Alaska. So this is out of Whittier, uh, Alaska. That is where we begin. Well, actually, we begin in Anchorage. We go to Whittier. We're staying in a really cool freaking spot in Whittier, by the way. So this is this is new, and I'm really excited about it. We'll release that soon. Uh, we will be taking our kayaks into Harriman's Ford and camping four nights. Um, I don't know what else to say except that last year we had a whale follow us from island to island, so or campsite to campsite, I should say. You will actually, in the middle of the night, um, hear the power of the glaciers uh, falling uh, into the water below. It is it is just a remarkable space, and I'm really excited about going back with um, with my clients. And then mm, this I just found out today we may be running one more retreat in the Grand Canyon. Yes. I know, I know they open reservations back up and it looks like we may have gotten one. So um, that will be also another retreat to dive into more on that soon. Every one of my retreats are male, female. Yes, they are male, female, except for the retreat in the San Juan Mountains with Florence Williams. That is a female only. So if any of these are appealing to you, if you are, if they're calling to your heart and your soul, if you want to deep dive into that personal development, get yourself out of your comfort zone, experience something new. Um, these are for everyone. I, I don't uh, limit this to, you know, anyone. This is like, these are literally for all of you. And so if it's calling to you, if you're ready to go into that space of really creating the life that you love, developing a deeper sense of self, taking this into your business, into your life, into your uh, community, your family, your friendships, message me and let's get you in. There is no better time than like the present. Sarah at SarahSheltonCrans.com or go into my website, subscribe to my newsletter or on LinkedIn. You will find me at Sarah Shelton Crans on LinkedIn for those people that are in that space uh, and on Instagram at Sarah Shelton Crans. Um, and then my website is SarahSheltonCrans.com. Subscribe to my newsletter. You will find this information there as well. Please take this podcast, spread it into the world, share it with your community, tag again, like I said, Heather and myself, and let's spread this ripple of living boldly out into the world. Cause isn't that what we're here to do, right? To help one another, guide one another, be there for one another and to uh, be kind humans um, while we are doing so. I love you. Thank you for being here and let's get going. 
Hi, Heather. Welcome to our Live Boldly podcast. I am so excited to have you on. We're going to be talking all about confidence. There's a lot of stuff that I want to touch on with you. So thank you for being here. Happy to be here. As always, this conversation is going to flow from one thing to the next because that's how we do these conversations. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what got you into the work that you do today. So I was in the media business for over 20 something years and I was a chief revenue officer and I was named one of the most influential women in radio. And a couple of weeks later, I was fired when the CEO that I worked for for 14 years became ill and he decided to elevate his daughter to replace him. She fired me immediately, which was very much unexpected. And as a single mother, it was a super scary moment for me. I had an 18-month non-compete, so I was going to have to leave the industry that I had expertise and a network in and start over somewhere as a beginner. And so I took that opportunity to write and self-publish my first book, Confidence Creator, uh, which led to landing my first TEDx talk, which led to my speaking career, which led to my launch of my podcast, Creating Confidence, which led to my second book with HarperCollins Leadership, Overcome Your Villains, which led to my board seat with Healthlink Corporation, which has just led to so many different things um, over the last five years, which have really been a result of reinventing myself when I was 43. And so I did that at 42 and that's, it takes a lot of guts. It really takes a lot of guts to do that. It takes so more guts you, not to do it. Well, <laughs> well, I, alternative? Agree <laughs> I absolutely agree with you because what, what is the alternative? And I think, you know, the people, the clients, my clients that I have a lot of conversations with, it's all about the confidence factor. You know, when you've been betrayed or when you've been hurt and did you have that when you started again, I call it starting again. Did you have that where you were like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to step into this new space when you yeah. had been? Of course, I had, I had no idea. I mean, all I knew was media. All I knew is the media industry. I had no idea about writing a book. I had no idea what the speaking business was like, a podcast. I didn't know. And I had no idea. So I had, you know, it was just like, you know, faltering around in the dark trying to figure it out. Which makes people like me very happy to hear this because... I actually had the same thing. I mean, even my TED talk, I had somebody call me when I was at a cafe and they said, Hey, we want you to do this TED talk. What do you want to do it on? And I'm like, a TED talk on what? I don't, I didn't even really, I knew nothing about it. Right. I know. I know. Trust me. No, Trust you me. don't know. Because I took out a Google alert on TEDx talks. I wanted one so bad. And I pitched myself for a hundred of them. And I was told no, every single time it took me two years to land my first TEDx talk. Are you serious? Okay. I was literally sitting in a cafe and I got a phone call and I didn't, I know. And then it was funny because I'm sitting there. Well, I think that the reason that I love this conversation is because it's proof that it happens many different ways. There is no one way to stepping into this space and creating something from you created it from a really difficult situation. I created mine from a very difficult situation. There's no one way to doing it though. Oh no, for sure. It can happen in a variety. There's no linear one way for everybody. No, for sure. So what is the one thing that you learned back then when you stepped into that, when you decided I want to do this, like I'm going to, I'm going to create something from this situation that you didn't ask for that was handed to you. What was the one thing that one of the biggest things that you've learned from it? Yeah. One of the things that I take away from that situation is that just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean you can't be good at something else. Because for a while I thought that, you know, I'm really strong in sales leadership and running companies. 
who knows if I could write a book and be good at that? Who knows if I could host a podcast and be good at that? Who knows if I could just go out on a solo speaking career? I didn't know. And I was so concerned. But if I was good at this, maybe I should just, you know, wait out the 18 month non-compete, find a side hustle until I can go back to another company. But ultimately letting go of that idea that, you know, you can be good at one thing and something else. It doesn't have to be this or it can be and. Right. Well, I think that that's one of the most important keys too is, I mean, I I was an art teacher. I knew teaching. I knew how to create with little kids. And then I think the coolest thing about it is that you're using what you learned creatively in a whole different media kind of way. Right. And so I guess one of my biggest things that I would say to people is find your gifts and then use it, use it hard and then alter it a little bit into whatever it is that you want to be stepping into. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was about figuring out what is my life's purpose for a long time. I made rich people richer. You know, I made shareholders really wealthy. That was my job. And I was very good at it and happy to do it, but I never felt fulfilled. So outside of work, I was always doing charity work. You know, for a decade, I sat on the board of City Year Miami. So at night and weekends, I, I was working all day long for my corporate job. And then at night and the weekends, I'm always doing charity work. And I had very little time to do spend time with my son or do things that I wanted to do. And I remember thinking in a perfect world, because when you get fired, you have the chance to say this. In a perfect world, what would I do right now if I could do anything? And I thought I would do something that can merge these two worlds together where I can make money and, and live the life that I'm accustomed to living and do well for myself, but that I can bring helping others into it. How do I you know, bring those two things together so that I don't have to live two separate lives, which is what I kind of felt like I had been doing for a long time. So I get a lot of people that listen to this that have gone through divorce or they've had relationships that have split up. And when you're talking about being fired, I feel like for me, that's what happened to me through my divorce. It was like, okay, now what? What do you do when you no longer have this relationship that you once thought that you had or once thought it was a certain way? And then the other thing that is really interesting about what you just said too is how do you take your life's purpose, right? Like how do you take all of that and create something that fulfills you? And you were making rich people richer. I was making everybody else happier. <laughs> hey, literally, that was my life, right? It was like, you're in a relationship, make other people happy, help to make other people people happy, not realizing that it actually starts with you first. Make yourself abundant, and then the abundance will flow. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's it's a different yet same it's very interesting. So I want to talk about confidence. When you're working with people in terms of confidence, especially when you've gone through something this difficult, how do you help people, guide people into their confidence? Yeah. And for anyone struggling with confidence, go get my first book, Confidence Creator. It's literally a roadmap to how I created confidence from the day I got fired moving on, right? Because I, for me, I lost my confidence. It was shattered. And what's interesting now that I have hindsight is, I back then had attached my confidence to my paycheck, to my title, to my team, everything that was happening outside of me. So it could be taken away from me. What's different for me now is I attach my confidence to what's happening inside of me, to who I am, so no one can ever take that away. And I think that's a really important shift for people to learn because a lot of people make that mistake that I made, right? You know, you feel really good about, you know, breaking the glass ceiling and so proud of, you know, that office you're sitting in and all the hard work you had to do. And I get it. I felt the same way. But when you give that power away, it can be taken away from you so easily. And 
And that was uh, that was a, a really hard hit for my confidence when I when I felt like I had lost everything overnight. The truth is, I had lost a paycheck, right? And and I actually knew how to replace a paycheck. I had worked for different companies in my life, but it took me a little bit of time to you know distill those beliefs down to this most simplistic shred of fact that was there. Because at the moment, I was you know thinking I've lost everything. You know, my life is over. I don't know how to bounce back from this. But I mean, there's some very specific tactical steps that anyone can take in any moment when you lose your confidence, first and foremost, I would suggest creating a 30-day plan because you want something that's manageable. A lot of people say to you, you know, where are you gonna be five years from now? You can't answer that question the day, the morning after you got divorced, the morning after you got fired, or like the morning after you feel like you just lost something really important that has dismantled your life. So I set up a 30-day grid and I just knew that I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what my life is going to look like at the end of these 30 days, but I know it has the potential to be better, right? So it's just like having that hope that things can change. They're not permanent. I There, there was a good chance I probably wouldn't be unemployed forever, although I didn't know how I was going to make money. I didn't know where it was coming from, but I knew I had to take action, right? You're going to have to take action because action builds momentum. Action is what creates opportunity. And so every day I would write down an action step that I was going to take. And it could be anything. My first day, what it was, was posting. I've just been fired. And if I've ever helped you, I want to hear from you today. And luckily that post went viral, right? Because a lot of people don't post about getting fired. And a lot of people called me and said, hey, that looks really pathetic. Take that post down because they cared about me. And wow. and I thank them. You know, I said, I, I get that that's not for you. However, I didn't steal. I didn't hurt anybody. That lady didn't like me. I don't feel ashamed that I got fired. I feel scared that I don't have a job right now, but I don't feel bad that she fired me. And then I remember I Googled, has anyone um, successful ever been fired? And come to find out, J.K. Rowling's been fired. Mark Cuban's been fired. Steve Jobs has been fired. Oprah Winfrey's been the most successful people in the world have been fired. So in fact, this wasn't something to be ashamed of. This was something to be proud of. This is a launch point. Like this is my moment. So I decided to reframe getting fired as, you know, my, my takeoff point and, and my plot twist. And so I let that post stay up. That post went viral, but really goes back to, I took action, right? I took an action step, not knowing what would happen. That post landed me on the Elvis Duran show. So I had an opportunity. I jumped on a plane. I flew to New York. And I had no idea what I was going to say on the show, but I did know this. If you stay in the little bubble that you've always been in, you're going to get more of what you already know. I mm -hmm. knew that I needed to get out of that bubble because I, I had an 18 month non-compete. I needed to meet people in the aviation industry or in the hotel business, or, or I didn't know what, but not in media. I had to get out of where I'd been. So I figured he's got 10 million listeners. Something could come out of this outside of what I know. So I jumped on the plane. I sat in front of Elvis. He's an incredible person. And he says to me, well, Heather, obviously you're writing a book, but I wasn't writing a book, but it was one of those moments where you realize when someone has such a confidence and a conviction and belief in you, they can speak that truth into you. And he did that for me that day. I decided to receive it and accept it. And I jumped on a plane and I Googled, how do you write a book? And it was that simple. And, and it just said, basically, you have to be disciplined and you need to write every day. And I thought, I've just been fired. I have nowhere to go. I can't go back to the industry I know. I've got some free time. So I started writing every single day after he spoke that belief into me. And again, like I talked about at the beginning of the month, I didn't know what it was going to look like at the end, but I knew it had the potential to be better. And so that was my vision is that I would be happier. Things would be better. 
And every day I would write down the action steps that I would take and what amazing or positive things showed up into my life that the day before I didn't know was going to happen. And when I started seeing all these gifts throughout the month, you know, Elvis Duran has you on a show. Elvis Duran speaks a truth into you that you're going to write a book. You start writing a book. You find an editor to help you write the book. Right? I start seeing all these things that I could have never imagined. And that gave me so much more hope, helped me build more momentum through that month. And then I took bigger action steps, that, right? And so it really helps to propel you forward that idea that, you know what? Uncertainty doesn't have to be bad. Uncertainty can be incredible. It can be amazing. I never knew I was going to be an author. And as I became scared, you know, the more that I was getting close to launch date, I took the expectations down on myself. And I remember saying, if I can help one person from publishing this book, then it was all worth it. Of course, I didn't really want one person to buy it. I wanted 1 million people to buy it. But I thought, you know what, I've got to just lower this, this high pressure on myself and say maybe one person feels differently, then I've done something good in the world and that's who I wanna be and, and that's how I'm gonna show up. That book did incredible and um, Trump, Donald Trump for number one on the business biography list the first week it came out, back when Donald Trump was um, still president. And it was this really meaningful moment for me to say, you know what, I don't know what happens from here. I still don't know what's going to happen in the next 30 days. But I felt really proud that I took this leap of faith, you know, to step in as a rookie author, as someone who has no background or, you know, no idea what she's doing and, and gave something, you know, a go. And, and I'll always be the woman that wrote the book with the three mistakes, but I'll never be the one that's on her deathbed saying I had a book inside of me. I wish I had written it. I love that. <laughs> I, I so love that. There are parts in my book too that I I sit there and I go, oh God, why did I why did I put that in? Or you know, mistakes that happen. But that's also a part of that's a part of the writing of the book, right? Like it, being a thought leader, you where where you're at is such it's such a powerful place to be in because you're also learning yourself as you're going along on this journey. And now you're a thought leader, even me. You know, I don't, I don't know. I think it's funny to me because people will come to me and say, you know, you're an expert in confidence. And I say, am I really? I'm an expert in sales and sales leadership because I have 25 plus years doing that. In confidence, I've been doing this for five years. I don't know if five years deem someone an expert. Like who decides these things? I, I really don't know. I don't know either. The thing that I will say though, is when I was pegged like that person on forgiveness, you know, oh, you're a thought leader on forgiveness. You're the person that everybody talks to about forgiveness. I have that's a good hill to own because I'll tell you that that issue comes up a lot. Well, and that's what my TED talk ended up being on, which I didn't even know that I was going to do a TED talk on forgiveness. The thing is, though, is that what I didn't realize is that I was learning forgiveness and working on forgiveness my entire life. And it wasn't until I hit that point where I was writing my TED talk that I thought, oh, I really do understand now why I am that person on forgiveness because I was doing the work my entire life, just not even realizing it. So perhaps that's also you. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, think of all the times in your life where you have had to step into this and it led you into then the ability to be able to get on the plane, which many people wouldn't do. Many people would be like, I don't want to sit in front of I don't want to be heard by 10 million people. I mean, right? Like, believe it or not, there are a lot of people that wouldn't want that. And you did it. So that's huge. It's all those little steps. I always say it's the little steps below that get you to that summit, that perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. So then you do this. You you write this book. You have this incredible opportunity. 
you step into sales. Tell us a little bit about what got you into the sales part of it. Like when you're talking about sales, what are you talking about when it comes to sales? Because here's the thing. I, again, I have a lot of people in my space that listen, they do listen to this and they're either going through divorce, they're stepping into a new space, they're redoing their whole career, they're deciding that they don't like where they're at right now in their life, new jobs, new perspectives on everything. But then they get really afraid, right? Of like, how do I use what I've learned to step into this space and sell? Whatever it is, if it's their brand, if it's a new career, if it, whatever it is. So dive into that with us. Yeah. So, I mean, sales is really applicable to everything, right? So I'm so grateful. I grew up poor. I had a, a paper route when I was nine. I bust tables when I was 11 and 12. I worked at fast food restaurants, waited tables, bartended until I graduated college. So I really had all these years of customer service and learning how to sell customers, retain clients, get referrals, right? Sales 101. I graduated college. I went to work for the Gallo Winery and I went into their sales training. And there was no surprise. I became the number one salesperson because I had had, you know, decades of sales training already from hard knock life. I ended up leaving that company and getting into the radio business in my early 20s and became a top producer there and then became an equity partner and then went to a publicly traded company. And then I got into sales leadership and then um, so on and so forth until I was fired. So my sales career spanned my whole lifetime. And I've always loved sales. And, and I personally believe everybody's in sales, whether mm -hmm. you're a teacher, you're a stay-at-home mom, you know, you're a, a realtor or you're an author, you're in sales. And I remember when I was telling people, you know, I think I'm going to write a book and they would say, oh, you're crazy. Why would you do that? Oh my gosh, do you know how hard that is? And I said, I don't know, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. And a friend of mine, who's a very famous author said, I advise you against it. It's incredibly hard to sell books. And I remember saying this to him, I don't know if I can write one, but I'll tell you this. I know I can sell it. And he said, how do you know? And I said, do you not know me? Do you not know what I've done my entire career? I don't know if I can write, but whatever I get, I'm going to sell it. And so sales is sales, whether you're selling Overcome Your Villains, Confidence Creator, my podcast, or I'm selling media, you know, in $100 million programs to Coca-Cola. It doesn't matter. It's the same conversation. You're solving a problem for people. You're giving them a reason to do business with you. You're establishing trust, right? You, you, you're going to do the same simple tactics and strategies. You're just applying it to different industries. And so once I really understood that, I feel very confident in sales, right? I don't feel very confident as an author yet because I only have two books. If I had 22, like John Gordon, I'd feel very confident as an author, right? Because experience gives you that confidence. That, competence, you know, drives confidence in many situations. And so I decided I can't lean into the author side. I'm going to lean into the sales side. So once I had something to sell, that was kind of when I hit my stride. And I said, all right, I've got cases and cases of books. I've got, you know, a warehouse with even more sitting in them. How can I unload this fast to have an impact? And so I remember thinking cold call companies, because you can go one to one or you can go one to many. And I remember thinking, I want one to many. And so I thought, I need to get a hold of large companies. I'll start in Miami where I can actually see people face-to-face because -face my closing ratios increase when I'm face-to-face -face with people. So I started calling companies, cold calling in Miami and just saying, hey, um, I don't know if you've heard, but I wrote this book on com called Competence Creator. If you've ever struggled with your team at all in your company around innovation, collaboration, elevating one another, I can come in, I can do a talk to really help teach people the foundations of confidence and improve your revenues um, as an organization. 
And so people would say, yeah, what do we need to do? Just buy some books, I'll sign them, whatever. Okay, so that's what I did at first. And then one day I called the company, gave them the pitch. Um, you know, do you wanna increase your revenues? I've got this great program that I'm running right now. And they said, yeah, what's your speaker fee? And I said, hang on one second. And I Googled speaker fees because I, I didn't know, I had no idea because in my old industry, executives, myself included, spoke for free for events. We never hired outside talent or source talent. So I really didn't have an understanding. This is again, back to never keep yourself in one industry, never keep yourself in one bubble. Had I known how much money I could have made as a speaker, I would have quit that job 10 years before they fired me, right? Because I, I could have done so much better. So anyways, they, they say to me, what's a speaker fee? I Google speaker fees. The first person that comes up is Gary Vaynerchuk. And the fee was $350,000 for a 60 minute keynote. And when I saw that, immediately my mind said, stop with the books, speak. This is your money route, right? Because my issue as a single mom is I needed to have a, you know, a, a steady income source to care for my child. That was like the first and most important thing I wanted to do. And so I started leaning into speaking and that's when I said, okay, what are the credibility things, boxes I need to check in speaking? And I saw text. And I thought that's a good, you know, I can get it. I could potentially reach one to many because they have millions of people that follow the, the TEDx concept. So I'm like, boom, I'm taking a Google alert out right now. TEDx speakers wanted. And I started applying to every single one. I applied to over 100. This is right after my book came out. At the same time, I was doing a million different things. I don't believe in one, you know, one opportunity is going to solve all my problems. So at the same time, I was Googling speaker bureaus, speaker agents, and I was pitching myself to every speaker bureau and speaker agent across the country. And so during that time, I'm getting no's left and right, literally 100 no's I received, which is par for the course to me. It doesn't phase me at all because it's a numbers game and I'll get a yes eventually. But during that time, I'm pitching all the speaker bureaus. One of the things I know from sales is never take a no from someone who can't give you a yes. So my goal when I would get on the phone with these companies was to get to the founder, to the CEO, to the president, to someone at a very, very high level. And I have tons of tricks in order to make that happen because this is what I've done my whole career. So I get on the phone with the CEO of one of the largest speaker bureaus and he kind of laughs, like, how did you get on this phone call to me? I said, I'm here to solve your problems. I said, so here's the thing. I was just on your site. You know, I did my homework and I researched him. I researched his team, his business. I knew, always know more than anyone that, you know, know the answer before you ask the question. I said, so what I'm looking at right now is that you've got an incredible lineup of people. He had Bill Clinton. I mean, he had like top presidents. He had it going on. This guy had a huge business. And I said, I know what you're thinking. Why is this woman contacting me? But I'm here to add value and add revenue to your business and do it in a very simplistic fashion. He said, how's that? I said, I looked at your roster and, you know, you just don't have anyone with females, you know, because that's how you could differentiate. There's not a lot of female speakers. You don't have a lot of females with prior C-suite experience because there are like 10 of us out there. Um, at from large companies. And it really, you know, it, it's a way to differentiate myself. I'm essentially a unicorn, unicorn in the industry. And I know that you do a lot of work to help empower women. I had seen that about him. So he says, yes, I do. And you know what? Thank you for the phone call. He said, however, I'm going to go ahead and pass on you. Um, I've got a lot of women, maybe not all with C-suite experience, but I do have a lot of women and I don't feel like I need to just randomly add another. Do this. He said, why don't you call me back when you're unique? And I said, okay, thank you. I appreciate you know the opportunity. And so I remember I hung up with him and I thought, how can I be unique? How can I be unique? 
Like I just have to find a point of differentiation, right? It's about how I'm perceiving things, not how things are. And I thought, okay, well, how can I do it? And that day was the day that um, Amazon ranked my book above Donald Trump's book. So I went to number one, he went to number two. I, I grabbed a screenshot of that. I clipped it and tightened it up. I had the link and I emailed um, the the gentleman back uh, from Harry Walker Speaker Agency. And I said, I've just become unique. You don't have one speaker on your roster that has trumped the president for number one in the business biography list this week, but I sure just did. And so he wrote me right back and he said, touche, well done, I'm adding you. He added me immediately, which was incredible and very generous of him, obviously, because his lineup's incredible. And so next thing you know, there's my face right next to Bill Clinton on his speaker bureau. So I grabbed that screenshot. And then what I did was I went after every one of his competitors. There's 20 different bureaus. And so I reached out to every single competitive bureau and he's one of the marquee biggest. And I said, hey, I don't know if you know, Harry Walker just picked me up, here's why. And so suddenly people were like, oh yeah, we'll add you, we'll add you, because they their competitor had me. Now, some people said no, of course, which is fine, yeah. but I ended up getting added to, I think, 10 different speaker bureaus. And then ultimately, I so I started speaking and I interviewed Sarah Blakely live on stage in front of thousands of people in 2019. And then my speaking business started taking off. At the same time, I was giving a speech somewhere and someone from TEDx was in the audience. She came up to me after and said, you're a great speaker. Why haven't you given a TEDx? I said, great question. I've applied to 100. She said, what's your pitch? I showed it to her. She said, your pitch is awful. Here's what you should pitch. She said, everyone is a volunteer that's on the TEDx team. Were you aware of that? And I said, no. She said, the way you can add value and solve a problem for them is sell the arena out for them. I said, that's easy. I have a big social media following. She said, then make that your pitch, how you're going to help them do their job for them. Tell them you'll go to every event they have, that you'll sign books, that you'll be the one that's helping all the sponsors and making sure they feel special and happy. And wouldn't you know, I took her approach and I got the very next one. I got my TEDx done. And so my business was taking off. And then wouldn't you know, a global pandemic hit and everything disappeared overnight. <laughs> what? Yeah, really? my speaking business, that was my number one uh, revenue driver. Uh... It, it literally disappeared overnight. So what did you do in that situation? I mean, the good news was I had just been fired a short term, you know, a short window before. So I knew, okay, don't panic. Panicking is the wrong thing to do. Instead, right. create a 30 day plan, you know, start taking action steps, all the things that I was talking about before. And I remember you don't, there's a solution. You don't know what it is yet. And I stumbled into over the next couple of weeks, somebody reached out to me and said, we were on lockdown and all of my engagements were canceled. So there was no money foreseeably coming in. And someone sent me a random email and said, would you ever do a virtual talk? And what do you charge? And at that time, I had never heard of virtual anything, right? Nobody in 2019 talked about virtual anything. And so I, I responded back, yes, but I need to be honest with you. I've never done one. I don't know how good I'll be. I can tell you this, uh, whatever it is, I'm, I'll work so hard for you to make it work. And I never leave a client unhappy. And if you're not happy, I won't accept your money, but you have to know you're my first, um, my first event. And he said, I'm willing to do it. And so he gave me a grossly reduced rate, which I was fine with because I wanted to get, you know, gather testimonials and reviews for my work. But that was the beginning of my virtual speaking career, which carried me for two years during the pandemic. Lesson learned, pivot. You have to, you have to learn how to pivot. Like that's, it's so important. You know, what's interesting is the pandemic, actually my business 
sword because I guide in the Grand Canyon. I take people outside and people were like, yes, I need that. And it's all, you know, emotional and mental uh, resilience. And so it, ended up being, it was amazing. It was amazing. We, April of 2020 is the only one that we didn't do. And then from then on, it was, and, I, and on top of it, I don't know how many times I've actually shared this. There were only, I think, less than three. There was about less than three. Yeah. I think there was, there was three of us, two of us that actually ran retreats or ran actual trips in the Grand Canyon because people were too afraid of it. They were just, nobody was there. Nobody was running anything. And I'm talking, I'm talking like not only like guiding into the Grand Canyon, but also guiding down the rafting. It's down the Colorado river. It was very interesting to me. I, I had no idea. I think I was the only female. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And the other thing about it though, is that that's, I think where all of the confidence comes into it's, it's, you know, you know what you can deliver on and there's more than one way to get there. So I commend you. I love hearing stories like this because there's just so many different ways of getting to the end result. Like, I mean, literally sitting in me, sitting in a cafe, and then there's you who couldn't, where it's just like, how do I land a TED talk? And you, <laughs> why is that? Do you know? Like, I mean, I really sit there sometimes and I, and I wonder, why is it that it's so easy for some people, easier, and for other people, it comes a little bit more difficult? Well, there's a million different reasons for that, right? So um, for me, I'm sure for me that I certainly wasn't allowing things to flow into my life. I was super stressed out back then. I was definitely in fight or flight, right? I was trying to force everything to happen my way. It happened, you know, I was very, very controlling in that window of time. I'm not shocked. You know, I'm more shocked that I met Cindy at that event and that she was kind enough to come up to me and help me. Maybe Cindy needed to come into my life. She's been a great advocate of mine since I met her, right? Like there's so, who knows? I mean, there's so many serendipitous things that um, could have happened. I would have never gone the route, probably the speaker bureaus, if if I had already gotten the TEDx talk, because I probably would have thought that was, a you know, checked enough. But I don't know. Like there could be a million different reasons why. Yeah, I sit with that an awful lot of why, I mean, because in sales, you were talking about sales. What's interesting is that I hosted tables. I was a waitress. I did not, <laughs> I didn't have the newspaper route because um, I was a girl and <laughs> my parents were very much into your brothers can go do that. But that's, that was a whole di- another situation. Lucky you, because that's an early morning job. I would not oh. recommend yeah, it's a very early morning job, actually. Um, there's so many different things, but it was, I wanted to do it. It was just, no, sorry, Sarah, you're the girl in the family and you let your brothers do it. So it's what I love to hear with this, though, is how different sales comes into your life. And I agree with you. I think that sales is something that we all do. I also look at every single person's platform as being a space to speak. Like, like, in other words, being a parent, being a teacher, being, we all have a platform to speak. It's what is your message every single day? So true. Yeah. So now you wrote the book, Overcome Your Villains. Tell us a little bit about that. I love this. Yeah. So after, you know, that 2018 was my first book, Confidence Creator. And then after, you know, I, I would always receive DMs on social media. And I, I put a lot of weight on the questions I get from community because, if you see patterns develop, that could be indicative of a new product or something that you could serve back to people that they're asking you for. So 
people are always asking, okay, but what happened since Confidence Creator? How did you get to where you are now? That was a question I kept getting on and on and on. So I remember thinking, maybe this is a second book. So I thought, all right, I did the first book self-published because I didn't know what I was doing. Maybe I should try going an agent route and get a traditional publisher and do it the quote unquote right way. So I thought, go big or go home. So I Googled who is the largest nonfiction female author this year. This was in 2019. And it was Rachel Hollis at the time. And so I Googled who her agent was, found her agent. I sent a pitch to the agent's website and I basically said, listen, um, I have an additive re revenue stream for you. It's gonna be very much plug and play, very simple turnkey for you, but it's gonna add a lot of revenue for you and not competitive with your lead author. So she jumped on a phone call with me to hear what the pitch was. And basically I said, um, Rachel leans very heavy into religion. I lean very heavy into business based upon my background. We wouldn't be competitive to one another, yet we write similarly in that we use personal experience and then wrap with a takeaway and a summary in, in each chapter. I said, because that was really the, the system I used for my first book and people loved it, I loved it. And I wanted to do this one in a similar fashion. So she said, I love religion and I don't want to do a book not about religion, but I have a partner who loves business and I think you should talk to her. And so I said, great. So she put me on the phone with Jill and Jill and I hit it off immediately. Jill said, I get it. I love the concept. Let's do it. Send me your book proposal. And I said, well, what is a book proposal? <laughs> and she started laughing at me and she said, well, this is where our conversation ends, Heather. And I said, well, then I have one last question before you hang up. I said, if you had a family member that you needed to write a book proposal, who would you have them call? And she said, well, I'd have them call Peter Economy, but I need to go now. And I said, okay, thank you. So I went to Twitter and I found Peter Economy and I tweeted at him, you're never gonna believe this, Jill, I'm not gonna say her last name because she'll get yeah. mad at me, Jill wants um, you and I to work together. So he tweets right back at me, you're kidding, this is incredible, let's get on a call. So the next day he calls me and I say, you know, here's what happened. So he starts laughing, he says, okay, well, you know, Heather, I'm expensive. He writes for Forbes and writes for all these, you know, huge outlets. And I said, okay, I'm going to invest in myself. And I made a very large investment in myself. I hired Peter together. We worked for months and months and months and months. And we went back to Jill with a book proposal and she declined and told me that it wasn't good enough. So Peter and I rewrote it and went back again and rewrote it, went back again and no, and no, and no. And so I, she told me no 14 times and I'll never forget Peter and I were very discouraged. This was months in the making, right? And um, and so I remember the last time, I didn't tell Peter this, but I went and Googled top 50 agents and literary agents, because I was like, at some point, this thing is so good that maybe she just doesn't get me. And it, I don't take it personally, it happens in business. Sometimes people just don't click. I'm like, maybe she thought she did, but she doesn't. Maybe I need to shift gears and go to somebody else. And I remember saying, this is my last time I'm going back to her. And if not, she's gonna lose. And so lucky number 15, we sent the deck over. She said yes immediately. And she said, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to 15 publishing houses. And the next day, the global pandemic hit. And so it was the worst time ever because what I found out, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the book business, right? But the global pandemic had, there were so many issues, not only with supply chain, but paper and printing and, nobody wanted to print books anymore and then no one knew what was going to happen with book sales so people started cutting budgets for authors right so as she pitched 15 potential um, partners this happened 
I didn't know what to expect and everything went dark. And so I didn't hear anything back for maybe two months. And it was horrible because my speaking business disappeared. Now I'm not hearing back on this. Anyways, to make a long story longer, we end up, we, we finally got 10 offers back from, you know, she sent out 15, we, five people declined and 10 said yes. And so then you have to decide who you want to partner with. We did different calls, but everyone said the same thing. We're cutting the, the money because there's no paper, there's no distribution, you know, all these awful reasons. And so I ended up signing with HarperCollins Leadership because I just felt like they they got me. I loved them. You know, it was just like the, the right fit. You felt like at home with them and they were great to work with. And so we embarked on a very long journey of, of writing um, Overcome Your Villains, having 900 editors on it. Then I had to audition to do the Audible. And it was funny, you know, I was used to when you self-publish, you you check in with the ultimate decision maker yourself. And I say, I'm doing Audible and, oh, and then I'm doing it. But now when you're with a traditional publishing house, you find out you have to audition to be you. Someone has to sign off on if they're actually going to accept that chapter. Then I got a note that I was 60,000 words over, right? It's so different. You have very little control and um, it all worked out. I got the spot as Heather Monaghan. Um, I was so grateful for that. And the audible is incredible. And then we launched the book and we were still kind of, it was November 21. And there really weren't a lot of in-person events and everything was really done virtually. So the irony is my social media following is so much bigger now. I'm with a traditional huge publisher, but the launch of my first book was bigger because I was everywhere in person. I was in New York, I was in LA, I was in Texas, I was speaking, you know, I was doing all these things that I couldn't do with this one. And so things don't always turn out the way that you think they're going to even though it makes all the sense in the world that this one should have sold seven thousand more copies than my first one the first week it didn't and it was just one of these examples that sometimes you just have to let go and let god and you know what my friend amy morin is a very very famous author and she always reminds me that it took her first book five years before it tipped and started selling millions of copies. And so I, that's kind of my attitude with my books is that they're amazing. I get great notes back from people every single day of my life. It you know makes me so happy and I feel joyful and I know I'm doing the right thing. I haven't sold the millions of copies yet, but I know that could happen. I can get that phone call any day from, um, from my publisher because it happened for my friend and it's possible for me. Well, so Harper Horizon published mine, you ready for this? November, 2020, a week after the elections. I mean, talk about timing. I and it's unforgiveness. Like, come on, really? I know, <laughs> I know. timing is everything. Timing is yeah, everything. And yeah, it was it was definitely a different type of journey than what I anticipated. Um, and it was a real big bummer for me because I really wanted I wanted to do the whole book launch and I yeah. couldn't. There was nothing. I mean, everything was still shut down, and it just. I, it was, it was almost like, okay, well you can, you can push it on the road yourself, but even so I had set different things up and everything was shut down. So I couldn't even go, I couldn't even go do my own book signings that I set up, which is, it was, it was really disappointing. And at the same time, I, I, I take it the same way where it's, you just don't know, you just don't know when it's going to actually hit, which is the beautiful thing. I mean, even with this, like I was, I was wanting to reach out to you. I don't know, a month and a half ago, somebody said, reach out to Heather and see if she'll come on your podcast. And I didn't, cause I just knew yeah, it's just the right, it's gotta be the right timing. And then I just looked up and you had checked out my LinkedIn profile and I thought, oh, perfect timing. I literally had just thought about you too. 
So it's just, that's just the way it is. The universe works in that way. You just don't know. So true. So when you're in sales, do you struggle at all with the push-pull? In other words, the control versus the let it surrender and just be? Give me an example. So like, you know, there's so many times where you want to control and you want to push and you want to make it happen. You want to make it happen. You want to make it happen. And you, you, you literally, it's like pushing the boulder up the mountain, right? But at what point do you say, given to God, given to faith, given to universe, it's, it's going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think in situations like that, if you're really struggling, pray about it, you know, get peaceful, meditate about it, go for a run, whatever the thing is that you need to do, but you need to listen to your gut, your inner wisdom, you're going to have the answer. You know, so often we want to ask outside of us and, oh, what, what does that look like? What should I do? But the real answer that you, you have it already. You've just got to, you know, get still with yourself. Maybe you journal, right? There's so many different ways to help figure out what that answer is, but it's definitely coming from within you. And, and the more you trust that, the louder that voice gets and the more you can leverage it. Yeah. Who is your biggest mentor right now? Who is somebody that you look up to and you say, okay, I'm, I'm learning because we all learn from other people. So who would be one that you look to? I mean, probably my son, he's very different than me. He's very chill. He's very like, it's hard to ruffle his feathers. I'm the opposite. And so I, I like to look to him to say, okay, this guy's like, so everything is goes easy. Everything, you know, he's always saying, trust it, just trust it. And that's not how I typically am. So for me, it's great to have him in the house with me to say there is a different way to do this. It doesn't just have to be 100 miles an hour all the time in my way, my way. You know what? Sometimes I could just say, take take it easy, trust it, and it's all going to work out. And so I I guess um, he impacts me in a, in a huge way. That's exactly what I was wondering about when, when it comes to sales too with you, because of the trusting. Like we have to at some point also trust the process and just know that everything is unfolding for us there's some things that we just simply can't control, right? Like we can, we can also look outside of the, what are the things that I can do in action in order to make it happen? Cause I'm a very, I've always been a very action oriented person. And it took me a long time to get to that place of, you know what, Sarah, maybe you should just chill the hell out and let it unfold the way it's meant to. And that's for everything, relationships, business, everything. But then again, I didn't step into this thinking that this was something I was going to do someday. What did you want to do as a little girl? I wanted to be an actress when I was a little a little girl. Yeah. So I okay. So in being on stage, yeah, I wanted to be a teacher, which is also why for me it's being on stage because I want to teach from there. So what is next for you? You know, I'm big now into, I don't do this. I used to do this. Here's my one year, five year and 10 year. And I'm dictating how it goes. What I know is literally my whole world can change tonight when we get off this call or tomorrow, because that's what I've been learning the last five years is that opportunities and doors open for me that I, I can't, I'm not in charge of, I don't know how it happens. It's incredible, but I truly believe the more you step into your purpose-driven work and doing, you know, the right thing that you're meant to be doing, those doors do just open. So I'm just trusting that, you know, it's going to be something great. That could be that, 
I've met with E a number of times about doing a show with them. I've been trying to meet with Reese Witherspoon to turn my first book into a movie. I have, you know, there's so I've been working with a friend of mine in New York on a show. There's so many different things. I have a third book that I want to start writing there. I've had friends calling about creating programs and school systems for teen girls because they're struggling with confidence. There's I have a new product that I just created for women's shoes. There's so many different things that I have out there that I just feel like I don't know. I'm super excited to see, you know, which ones of them pan out and, you know, and how it goes. But I have no idea. I just know that I'll stay on the same path of empowering others and and showing up as that most real version of myself, flaws and all, and, and trust that we'll all work out. So where do you get all your energy? That's the other thing. Oh, it's like people my whole life. It is bizarre. I mean, that is like the number one thing people have said to me my whole entire life is my energy. I don't know. I guess that's just I don't know from God. I don't. I don't. I don't know how to explain. It. It's net. It's been this way my whole life. I can't explain it. It's crazy. Um, yeah, but the thing is, is to keep your energy clear. And I'm super disciplined about this. Now I don't let negative people anywhere near me. The most important thing I can protect every day is my energy. So, Mm -hmm. and, and that's the same for everyone. And if you're feeling low energy, start looking around, what can you purge out of your life? What people can you get rid of? What junk can you get rid of? Create space and first and foremost, every day, protect your energy and do the things that turn your energy up, whether it's going for a run, going for a swim, going outside, you know, speaking to a loved one, praying. I don't know what it is for you. Whatever works for you, do that because it's the most important thing. And and that energy is what's going to bring that opportunity to you. Yeah. So I 100%, 100% agree with you. And one of the big things for me, especially this year is exactly that create space for more people that are bringing in that positivity in your life because the worst, one of the most difficult things is when you have that negative, that dark energy around you. It just, it's impossible. It's funny. I was talking to my former therapist, now colleague about this yesterday. She said for so long, Sarah, I think that you looked at life through rose colored glasses. And I did, I did. I wanted, I want to see the good in everybody. Um, And it's not that I still don't. It's that I do it from the top of a mountain instead of you know, right there, because it's, it it's not, it's, you have to clear space for the things that you really want in life in positivity. So, okay. I, we only have a couple of minutes left, but uh, the other thing that I want to dive in with you about is if you, two questions, if you could tell your younger self anything, what would you tell her? Oh my gosh, listen to your voice and your opinion over everyone else and tune out their noise 100%. Mm, That's beautiful. And then your older version of self, the person that you are becoming, if you, if she could speak to you right now. So I always say, I'm going to leave this earth at 108. I don't know why it's just, that's my number. The older version of you, if she would be speaking to you right now, what would she be saying? I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like to also leave our listeners besides where to find you? I mean, I guess for anyone struggling, going through a hard time, just know it's temporary. It's not permanent. You know, surround yourself with the people that are going to lift you up. Listen to podcasts like this that are going to pick you up. You know, there's so many choices that you can make on the daily to change your situation. Just start with one today, right? And make that intention to make it two tomorrow and just keep building on that. But you'll see that this 
tough time is not forever. And, um, you know, look, just look around at all there is to be grateful for that the pandemic's over. That's a huge one for me every day. I'm so grateful for that, right? Just find the things that you can be grateful for. And then you'll start creating and, and pulling more things that you can be grateful for in your life. Um, my podcast is called Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan. Check it out. There's two episodes every week. My first book, Confidence Creator. Second one, Overcome Your Villains. And I'm on all social media at Heather Monahan. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And I can't wait to meet you in person one of these days. One of these days. I mean, in person is so exciting. I know. Gosh, isn't it though? I love the energy of just being with people. It's such a beautiful thing. So thank you for being here. Thank you. My friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so grateful to have you here. I'd love to invite you over to sarahschultingkranz.com to receive five free meditations recorded by me or download your free guide on how nature is your perfect healing therapy. My site has many free resources to guide you on your life journey, many that I used myself while on my road from victim to survivor. And also, please, I ask that you share my podcast with those who may need inspiration, information, or who may need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review and subscribe. Go find it on other platforms such as Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please also go to my Instagram or Facebook page, leave a message in my comments, and tell me what you think of this episode. Please share in your stories and tag me. I'd love to reshare and celebrate your healing journey. I love hearing from each one of you. Let's keep the ripple going. It begins with each one of us. I love you. And as I always say, I believe in you, us, always. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.